Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one, I don't care what it says, damn it, the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world. My name is Peter Rosenberg. Uh, I am joined by the physically congested, large, and strong stat guy, Greg. The trifecta, baby. Yo, what's good, fam, bam? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Welcome back from Montreal. I'm back. I am back yeah. from Montreal. Um, and uh, there was no screw job. Um, yeah, I was gonna. I, I was thought about asking, but uh, quite frankly, you know, we're not gonna. We're not. We don't need to dive into your sex life. You already give us enough. We don't need to get too personal. Listen, no, no, I don't want to. It wasn't that kind of screw job. Let me let me just say that. Um, <laughs> it, it was clean. Everything was good, and I, I have a couple of facts to give everyone um, about Montreal. It is mage. It is, I mean, real, real mage. And frankly, if I'm keeping it a thousand with you, I mean, Montreal does some things better than New York in a way that will disrespect New Yorkers. And SGG, well, I, I, I can tell you exactly what it is too. Like they preserve, like that old world. Like there's parts of Montreal that you walk down and you feel like it's the 1800s, but like not in a weird way, just in a cool way. Like but that SGG, vibe. But, but yo, keep it a thousand. Um, Montreal crushes New York's bagels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. I know there are a lot of people out here who are going to say, no, Rosenberg, you're trolling. You just want to be that guy. You just want to say that you went somewhere and you had something better. I'm, I'm a, I'll leave it at this. We went to Beauties for breakfast, which was a Zach Linder recommendation, a very popular like Montreal Jewish food sort of breakfast spot. And we got uh, I got the bagel and lox. My wife does not do locks. I said, babe, listen, I, I know you don't do locks. I don't, I don't push you on things you're not going to like. I think you need to try this locks. It was like, it was like Hogan slamming Andre. I mean, that's the only way I could say it. <laughs> you know, the, the look on her face, I mean, she looked like Lita after the, rated our celebration the satisfaction on her face <laughs> and it was the best locks ever and then i realized i realized greg why the locks is so good when you buy locks in new york it always says nova scotia salmon mm. so it's coming from canada anyway so it's just a faster more direct route to that nova scotia and it's but more why fresh but why the bagels are better, I don't know. And by the way, I'm going to keep I have a thousand. theory on that. On the bagels? What's that? I think it's the water that they're using to, well, to make that's, it. 
That's why everyone says New York bagels are the best. Maybe Montreal's water is better. I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, it's the, it's the, I think it's the water. I think it's the quality of the water that they're putting in those bagels that just, and the wood fired ovens too. Those two things in combination are just like, uh, just, it's crazy. And, and, and also in closing, Schwartz's, did you go to Schwartz's deli? I did not. I mean, the smoked meat. I mean, listen, shout out to Katz's, my New York spot, legendary. Shout out to Katz's. Do you say Katz's, by the way? <laughs> I say Katz, but I'm, um, I, I heard your conversation on, uh, Hot 97. Okay. So you know it, you, you know it's wrong, but you do say Katz's. Yeah. I, I, I heard, I heard. I've been, I've been corrected. Well, if you're wondering though, it's not a black thing. It's a simply a Jewish, not Jewish thing. <laughs> okay because i appreciate michael, that because i because always said cats michael k said cats today also so what do i know what does he know uh what do we all know ladies and gentlemen we've spent five minutes talking about food in montreal so i know people are already complaining especially on a day in which cheap heat will be joined by the authority triple h and stephanie mcmahon yes the the billion dollar princess that's right. The Levesque, the, the Levesque family. The day you guys are hearing this podcast, most of you, Thursday, March 29th, you will be listening on what is the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania 14. Triple H, of course, playing a big part in the Mike Tyson storyline. He also had his own match with Owen Hart at WrestleMania 14, but of course he was the main mic man for DX in the Tyson thing. So I will talk to him about working with Mike Tyson and the run leading up to WrestleMania 14. Also, um, the 31 year anniversary of WrestleMania 3 as well. And, uh, I, I know all of this because I was on my guy Randy Cruz's podcast this week. Shout out to Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control podcast. And he is big on anniversaries. So he reminded me of all the anniversaries being celebrated this week. So coming up at the end of this podcast, SGG, I stayed on with them for longer than I thought. It's about 25 or 30 minutes with Triple H and Steph. So, um, that's mage. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think everyone will enjoy it. I, just like last year, if you remember last year's interview with Stephanie, I don't know if it's just me or if it's just like the zone she's in. We have a tendency to get more into like the family kind of stuff and what the, what WrestleMania means for her family. And I really always enjoy going there, the stuff about her dad and the family. Um, that's always the side of Stephanie I love to, to get. I wish we had time to talk about the Andre doc. We didn't even have time because we were so busy talking about, uh, WrestleMania and a lot of the things going on right now. So SGG, we, we, let's start outside the ring. What happened this week outside the ring in professional wrestling? So, Charlotte was uh, missing in action this week on uh, SmackDown and the Mixed Match Challenge. Um, WWE just said that she was injured. They didn't really give any more to the story. But um, apparently uh, a site called uh, New Age Insiders reported that it was due to her um, recently having oral surgery on her gums and uh, she couldn't get medically cleared in time for Tuesday. 
So it caused a little bit of a scare. People were wondering if she'd be ready to go for WrestleMania. And it uh, looks like she is. Just a little dental surgery. It's not going to keep her out of action. So Asuka Charlotte is still a go. Although, um, I feel like the timing of this was, wasn't, wasn't too bad. Cause I mean, her, ta- her tag team was on the way, um, in the mixed match challenge to, it looked like they, she was on a collision course with Asuka, uh, in that tournament. Um, but if she, if they keep her out of it next week too, then I think it's better because then the first time we get, Asuka Charlotte would be um, at WrestleMania and not in this uh, tournament finale. What what a what a sad way it would have been for her to miss WrestleMania. Yeah, dental surgery. Dental surgery. So, anyways, that's good to know that she will be okay. Uh, I assumed everything would be all right, but it's nice to know for sure. All right, what else going on, SGG? So, um, apparently, WWE is in talks with Hulk Hogan. Uh, this was confirmed by Pro Wrestling Sheet. A representative from WWE said they were hoping that Hulk Hogan could um, sort of counsel the younger talent and keep them from making the same mistake that he made. Um, but I think that would be a mistake <laughs> to have him sort of like to turn it into a teachable moment with him at the center, like him as the teacher and not him as the student, I think would be a huge mistake. Um, that's an interesting thought. When did you come to this conclusion, SGJ? Oh, man, as soon as I heard it, like he he's, he shouldn't be driving this. He shouldn't be driving this conversation. Um, if if they're going to open it up and have a conversation with him and have the conversation center around learning, he's not the one that should be doing the teaching, especially because it's like it's not like he said it um, provoked or, or made those comments. Um, it was definitely out of anger, but he wasn't provoked or like he wasn't even in the situation. Like he wasn't singing along to a rap song or like a situation where he could say, you know, be mindful. These were like the clear thoughts of a of a man thinking in his right mind. And so, like, what can he say to somebody? Like, that wasn't a mistake. That was very intentional. So how can you, well, like, I, how I saw, can he be the guy to prevent that? So I've been thinking about this a bunch, too. I think you're a great person to ask because you're someone who is clearly deeply affected by this. What would you want to happen? What's the number one way where you go at the end? You'd be like, you know what? All right, uh, um, let's let's move forward. What what's is the is there a version of that for you? There is, but I don't think it looks like this with him coming back and just, like I I feel like we need that apology tour. Like we need that that apology tour. Like we need him to to say. Um, I messed up and like real apologies too. Not like, oh, I said this, but that's because, you know, growing up, uh, we use this word this way and blah, blah, blah. Like, cause even if he said it was like a term of endearment and he tried to go that route, that's not the way you were using it on the tape. You know what I mean? You would be very hurtful and like, were you trying to endear yourself to this white woman by using that word? Like you need the, we need the real apology tour that shows that, you know, 
he understands what he did. We need to take we need him to take himself out of the victim role because, you know, even though he lost he lost some things too, he lost his career and definitely a lot of money, even though he gained a lot more through the, the trial. We need he can't be the victim. He needs to really not grovel but take ownership for what he did. And speak less. Like listen more. Hear people out. And I think you had a great idea too when um when it originally happened. Like go he went to the Today Show and he went to all these other outlets. Like granted they were big outlets, but he never spoke directly to the people that he insulted. He didn't give a real apology and he didn't give it to the people that he that he offended. So yeah, go up to Hot 97. Speak to the people. Speak directly to the people and own it and be prepared for more hate. But but do that knowing that you gave your best apology and you really are trying to 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 make it right. Not that you're sitting on it and hoping that it goes away. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, that That's ultimately what I want to see happen. I've been saying that. This can't be as simple as he comes back, talks to WWE, they decide it's time, and then he comes back and comes out. I mean, listen, if you do that, um, he'll be received by some people, but it just won't ultimately be right. Um, I would love to help facilitate it. I have some ideas on what could be done and how it could be done. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you 100%. There needs to be a real conversation with people. Um you know, maybe I can bring him and Mark Henry together, you know, uh, who's been outspoken on this. Um, I think there is a way to do this, like you said, but it has to come from real conversation, um, not simply a meeting where it gets decided. Because so far, I, I, I was not satisfied with what I heard either. Yeah, it's – and like, like I said, him – him driving the conversation and like, yeah, turning it into a teachable moment is definitely, is definitely what you do, right? Um, opening the door and having a conversation uh, is also definitely the way to go, especially at this point. People are less angry about it, but having him be the center of the conversation and the driving force of the conversation is, is not the move. And it'll throw all the other goodwill that they've, that they've done and, um, all those other positive steps that they took towards the situation, it'll completely erase it if it's handled the wrong way. Um, SGG, all right, so what else is going on? I'd be, I'm curious to see if and when that plays out and how soon it is, but we'll, we'll obviously keep our eye on it. But anything else big this week? Um, the Miz and Marie's had their baby yesterday. Whoa, I did not know that happened. That Monroe Sky Mizanin is here. Wow, that feels like so fast. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I, I just found out <laughs> what. When did they announce? They announced it. Um, pretty well. I guess it, I was. I was gonna say pretty late, but I guess they waited the typical amount of time that people usually wait. They find out and then they wait like three, four months, and then they tell people. And then I relived it on Total Divas um, this past season, so it feels even more recent. Like watching her in the the doctor's office. And get the sonogram and everything like that. And yeah, now she's here. Wow. It really, that, that really, amazing. That is amazing and surprising. I did not realize it was coming up this quick. Even though, like, yeah, well, the due date was that. like WrestleMania. 
Wow. Amazing. Um, well, congratulations to the Mizanans. What else, SGG? Um, speaking of anniversaries and WrestleMania matches, WrestleMania 13, um, the anniversary of WrestleMania 13 passed recently last week. And to commemorate, Stone Cold and Bret Hart were on Edge and Christian's podcast. Um, and they did like a complete breakdown of the match, anatomy of the match. I just think people should definitely go listen to Stone Cold and Brett break down like the planning of the match and like little subtle things that happened in the match. Because um, it was a great listen. This is not the number one podcast you're going to listen to this week. I mean, that's that's us. But um, solid silver medalist, though. Like really, really great work um, with the four of them breaking down that WrestleMania 13 classic. Yeah, I got to hear that. Um, that sounded when I when I heard that about that the other day, it sounded really really good. Um, looking forward to peeping that. Yeah, and uh, the last thing, which is going to segue us into uh, Monday Night Raw and actual WrestleMania talk, WWE unveiled, sort of unveiled, the trophy for the uh, WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, and. Uh, I kind of feel like maybe we shouldn't have caused a stir about Moolah because the, the what do you call it, the top of the trophy now looks like a part of the female anatomy and it caused a bit of an uproar on on social media. Not in a negative way, but just like this looks weird kind of way. Well, there are a lot of people now starting to sort of react in a way where it seems like people think the moolah thing may have been over, may have been overdone. Like, did you see a little bit of that blowback? Like, why did moolah basically get harder treatment and harsher treatment than so many other people in the wrestling business have? It was almost like in an attempt to be protective of women. People were extra um, – they went so overboard in being protective that they ended up being overly hard on a woman who did something that a, a, lot of, a lot of men have been doing since the dawn of time. Now, again, like I said for when we first brought this up and people thought I was being like protective of WWE, I just don't think enough of us are historically knowledgeable – about exactly what the fabulous moolah's dealings were with other talent um and everyone listen this is the era we live in man it was a really let's be honest no matter what that was a classic internet uproar moment well yeah it was it was legendary like we got wwe reverse course on something like in days <laughs> You know what I mean? Especially when it looked like they weren't they weren't gonna pay any attention to it af- at all. Um, and it's not just WWE; it's like any company should take that as a sign that, like, um, every once in a while, you're gonna have to pay attention to to the consumer base. Um, you know, even like what was that? The Heineken Heineken Light they pulled an ad recently because enough people. Um, complained about it. Um, that's just, yeah, that's just the world we live in. I don't know. 
I don't know, you know, how how negatively it's going to impact the world. And um, I don't know how much change and I don't know how much uh, it really impacted things getting Mula's name off of the trophy or having them distance themselves from her. Um, But yeah, it's just the world we lived in. We live in right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, maybe there was, maybe it was founded, maybe it wasn't. I am just not a fan of, like, decisions being made because of one day of internet outrage. I get why they did it. I understand it's the time we live in, and people have to be mindful of this sort of, like, uproar. But, man, sometimes at the end you're like, oh, was that really what we should? All right. Um, what what she was accused of is like horrific though. I'm not not, and I don't think you're trying to downplay it either. I just want to say that again for somebody who might hear. But that what? It, but what? Ex, but like, what? Ex, what exactly is she accused of? Pimping girls oh, out. Yeah, pimping girls out, uh, ripping girls off, um, running a training school that didn't really train anyone. Um, well, for the record, though, ripping ripping people off and training schools that don't train anyone anything. Those are like just part of the wrestling business. I mean, that the amount of people who would be on the list of of people who did that is very high. Now, pimping girls well, out. The pimping which, girls which, out part is the part that like that I was disgusted by, and um, you know what I mean, and like sabotaging people's careers. Those are again, the two things that I was sabotaging people's careers is standard issue. Also, if we it start- is, but. But I mean, it when you talk about marginalized populations, though, it has an even more harsh effect, though, right? Because like, if she if she puts her foot in the neck of the entire women's industry, so she can be the only woman at the top, you saw the effect that had. Like, well into the '90s, she was winning women's titles when she should have been retired and sitting at home, like, and taken seriously as a competitor. But but like, you know, other other people do that, but um. First, you got to think about how many doors were even open to women to go somewhere else. Like, if something happened to a man in a promotion where, like, his career got put on pause, you know, they had the territories. And you had companies breaking away from the territories in the 60s. They could have went somewhere else and reinvented themselves. They could have gone to Japan. If she put her, if she put the kibosh on somebody's career, it's quiet for them everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it makes her more dangerous, but it doesn't make the actual action any worse. I mean, it's still morally the same thing. It's just she was operating in a smaller pool. I don't think that, I don't think that should yeah. make, make, put, hold her to a higher standard than other promoters that we probably laud and think are great who did similar things. Now, listen, again, if she was pimping girls out, I, I just don't, I, again, if it's true, it's awful. I just don't know. And as I said, I'm guessing 99.9% of the people who created the uproar also don't know. So hopefully some people really did the research and, you know, that's what this is based in. But these days people will just jump in and be like, what? Oh, that sounds terrible. I'm in. And didn't necessarily do the work themselves, you know. How many people this week went and watched the full Killer Mike interview with the NRA before just being like, Killer Mike did an interview with the NRA? Oh, I, I hate Killer Mike. Screw Killer Mike. How? I, that's what people do. Yeah, that's what people do. I mean, Killer Mike at least is here. He lives in these times. He can defend. He can defend himself. He can clarify. But um, for Mula, it's kind of it's looking it's looking quiet. Uh, I was 
I was going to warn everyone. Bear was going to bark, and the bark has happened. His mother, <laughs> his mother has arrived from the MLB Network uh, studios, where she will make her debut for the MLB Network this weekend, as the baseball season is underway. Opening day is coming real fast, actually. Today, probably when most people are listening, or yesterday, depending on if you're listening Thursday or Friday. But I'm very proud of my wife as she. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm proud of her too. She made it to the to the next level. This is where she wanted to be for a long time. So, um, you can catch her on the rundown. She's gonna be doing the rundown. She's gonna be doing quick pitch. What other shows are you doing? Rundown, quick pitch. Oh yes. Sideline reporting for some of these games that are going to be on Facebook. She is doing all kinds of stuff. So that was why yeah. Bear was very excited. We're, we're going to get back to the wrestling in a minute. I promise the listeners. But I do have to say this while we're talking about um, these moves that Alexa's making. Like people throw around the term power couple just when like they're doing good and like they're feeling good about themselves. But like you and Alexa. Man, it's crazy. It's amazing that you even have time to see each other, all the all the incredible stuff you guys have going on. Even like just now when you're talking about Hulk Hogan and and um some ideas that you have that could facilitate that. I think about that video of you asking Vince for a job in WWE and telling him like what you want to do and take it to take his product to the next level. And you did exactly that. And even like Alexa, you said this MLB and being being a part of that organization was always one of her dreams, and she's doing exactly that. Like this is some Daniel Bryan level inspiration that you guys are giving wow. the people. Fight for your dreams, and your dreams will fight for you. If you fight for your dreams, your dreams will fight for you. Stack Guy Greg said we're an inspiration in the vein of Daniel Bryan. What are your thoughts, Alexa? Come say something to your public. They they have been clamoring for you for a long time. You've been holding her back. You've been holding her back. Um, Alexa, first of all, congratulations on your move to MLB Network. Are you excited? Why, thank you. Yes, I'm very excited. Opening day is tomorrow. Do you want to thank SGG for his kind words? SGG, thank you very much for your kind words. And, uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan's back, right? That's pretty crazy. By the way, I thought he looked about 10 years older. No offense. (laughs) It's the beard. It's the beard. Yeah. Now, do you want to, you were telling me off the air that you were worried about SGG becoming too physically large. Do you want to tell him to his face? That is not something I said. I have not seen him. But if you are becoming too large, Stack Guy Greg, you might need to lose some weight. You know, that's just my advice. Now, what about if he's feeling physically congested, which is also an issue? Do you have any recommendations? Because we know that you have allergy situations. Sudafed. Uh, big. Oh, you're a big Sudafed guy. Big Sudafed guy. Biggest in the business. I love Sudafed. Now, Alexa, is there any one? Superstar, because you will be watching WrestleMania. Usually, you usually watch at least hour two of the kickoff show. You'll be watching this year, and then you'll usually keep it on for a while. Is there any match or person that you're excited to see at WrestleMania this year? Cena versus Undertaker. Duh. We don't even know if that's happening yet, though. Oh, it's happening. He called him out. He's been calling him out. He's been so excited to get Undertaker to come out and hasn't gotten a response yet. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna fight him. You'll see. <laughs> you're, you're, she's being extremely adorable but um anything else that, uh, that's actually on the card that you know we're gonna get what else is on the card i know we've got seth rollins who's hurt or is he actually wrestling what's his deal he's good seth rollins and the miz and finn in a triple threat for the ic title by the way Alexa, you know the miz and maurice had their baby yesterday 
congratulations to the Miz and the baby. And Maurice. <laughs> and Maurice. There you go. And um, let's see. What else is on the card that you'd be excited about? AJ Styles versus Nakamura. Any thoughts? I like Nakamura's entrance music. That's my favorite. Dun, 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 dun. That's Game of Thrones. That was, that was more like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Than, what? Okay. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. They don't want you to do it. Uh, they would want me to do it, but I forgot. All right. Well, you're off the hook. Congratulations on MLB Network. We're all very excited for you. Thanks. Make sure you watch the rundown on Friday between 2 and 4. Unless the Tigers game gets rained out, then you'll see me Monday, 2 to 4. MLB Network. Thank you very much. Can you take the dog outside? Appreciate you. There she is. <laughs> Everyone clamored for her, and now she is there. My wife, Alexa Dat Rosenberg. All right, SGG. We now, 30 minutes into the podcast. God, people hate us so much. We probably should get They're in. getting Triple H and Steph. They're getting Triple right, H and Steph. Right, they are getting Triple H and Steph, but they want you, you know? Um, they want, they don't. They're getting me next Saturday. They don't just want. Not this Saturday. They don't want Triple H. They want Triple XL Greg. You know what I'm saying? Um, so SGG, uh, I, the raw ended with me being upset. I, I was angry. At, yeah, I, I was too. I just, I was, I was, I was ready for it to actually happen. Like it, yeah, it just seems like it was like, we've seen it now so many times that we have to get an answer and I get it. Yeah. There's an upside. Because I am curious, but at the same time, it just felt like it went one notch too far. Yeah, I, I agree. And I won't say I was angry, but I will say that this is a this is a dangerous game that they're playing. Even though I advocated for them playing this exact game last week, the way they're playing this game is getting dangerous. Because, first of all, as great as Cena is, he cannot. He can't do it by himself. It's been so many weeks. Um, if they're going to pull the trigger on The Undertaker, he does need to show up prior to WrestleMania. Although, I do think we won't see him until WrestleMania, but that's a whole other issue. But um, Oh, you don't even think we'll see him Monday? No. I think, I think we're not going to see him until WrestleMania. Wow. That's a, that- I hope we see him Monday. But I could see them teasing the pop out until WrestleMania. Oh, but I, which would be repug because because when you play that game, you run the risk of people um, not caring. Like you dangle this thing in front of people's face for so long, and then when you finally put it in their hand, they're just like, "So." Well, this has never happened before. That would be unprecedented. Have we ever seen a match occur at WrestleMania that was not advertised in advance at all? No, like the match was made at WrestleMania. I mean that go, that goes against you know everything about sort of the promotion for WrestleMania. Um, that's just not generally how it's done. Now in this case, there is a fully stacked card without it. But as I've said, Cena Undertaker becomes the number one match on the card. Yeah. Um... I hate to say this, but I have to agree. In terms of maybe not my level of excitement for the match, but just the WWE Universe overall, how many people um, want to see this match and have wanted to see this match at WrestleMania. Um, but not only that, what these two men mean to this company, um, 
what you know them representing not just wrestling but like different generations of wrestling like you have wrestling fans like me who go way way back with the undertaker but then john cena has been on his tear since what like 2004 so that's 14 years and you got little kids who remember him coming up who are big john cena fans and like this is something that they want to see so it's definitely a match that's going to deliver i that i, I I know for a fact I'm in the minority of people who are like kind of lukewarm on this match, but um, you're, you're absolutely right. It shoots up to the top of the card for sure, just for the spectacle of it. Oh, by the way, I am getting a lot of uh, emails from people, rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. Greg, a lot of RSVPs to come to walk-ons. That is. Yeah, I saw a lot of tweets. That, oh really? That is the name of the bar. We will be at Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. walk-ons in downtown New Orleans, right near the Smoothie King Center for our heat and greet. The first hundred people will get themselves a wonderful and major, dare I say, cheap heat shirt. Now, SGG, before we get into the rest of Monday Night Raw, before we get into some SmackDown talk, and before we get into a mage interview with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, I, I have to say something. Um, do you have a business? And are you hiring? Because every business needs great people and a better way to find them, all right? Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. Zip Recruiter knows there's a smarter way. They have the platform to find the right job candidates for you. Zip Recruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, listen to this. 80% of employers who post a job on Zip Recruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And it doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match, all right? The right candidates are all out there at ZipRecruiter. So what do you do? Our listeners right now get hooked up at ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash cheap heat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash cheap heat. ZipRecruiter.com slash cheap heat. If you have a business and you need good people, this is the way to do it. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Use that slash cheap heat. So yeah, I was, um, I was disappointed with the end of SmackDown and I, I mean, with the end of Raw. And let me tell you, I wasn't exactly thrilled with the beginning of Raw either. I mean, I kind of felt that the Brock Roman was just a repeat of last week, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And, um, yo, Roman is my guy. We know. Roman is my guy. I feel like I have to say this again before I say what I'm about to say. Here we go. Um, but the hypocrisy is like, is not helping the storytelling. And what do I mean by that? What do you mean by that? La- last week, before he caught the beatdown, like an epic beatdown too from Brock Lesnar, um, he went on a, his promo centered on the fact that you know, he was trying to relate to the working man and that Brock Lesnar gets away with things that we don't get away with. Oh, if you if you don't show up to work, you get fired. But I'm here, I'm showing up because I'm like you. I felt that. It was a little forced, but I felt that. And then he got himself suspended, but he keeps showing up to work. And guess what? If you show up to work and you're suspended, 
you also get fired. So now you're not like me. You're also entitled, but just in a different way. And I don't think it's helping the story. Roman's still my guy, but him popping up is not helping the story, especially when he's supposed to be gone. And what does that make Vince look like? Like when Vince is the boss, usually when Vince says something, it goes. Vince says suspended. He implies that he's suspended indefinitely. And then we see him the next week and the week after that. He didn't have a match, but like what's going on? Is he still getting paid? What's happening here? How did he have a mic on Monday? Like what's going on? It, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, and, and then just generally, I just didn't think it was creative enough. Um, I don't know. I feel like we had a lot of time for Roman and Brock. And yet I don't feel like, and yet I don't feel like the story really has gotten told that well. I, I don't know. You know, like I, I'm excited ultimately to see the match between the two of them because of what they can do physically in the ring. But I just feel like with all this time we've had, we still haven't gotten a, a great story. Um, what did you like? Well, let me say this. Did you like Rhonda and Kurt Angle or did you think that her work in there with, um, Absolution was a little rough? Man, I think Ronda needs work. I, I'm I'm worried about uh, WrestleMania and her performance. Like she, it's it's odd to me that she can't she can't really connect on the mic, and that some of her ring work is doesn't look as fluid as I would have as I would expect. You know, um, I don't know what the disconnect is because you know MMA. She trains in some of these disciplines and. We've seen, um, going back to like Ken Shamrock and and Dan Severin and even um, Kurt Angle making that transition into the wrestling ring. Like it's usually pretty smooth. So even Shayna Baszler with the um, May Young Classic, it's usually a pretty smooth transition. Uh, Matt Riddle, you could think of all kinds of people who make this transition, and then for her to be one of the best. MMA fighters in the world, but then to be struggling with this transition, it it's I don't it's it's baffling. Well, even even the little clothesline spot she had, who was it too? Sonya or Mandy? Oh, uh, Sonya, I think. And then Mandy got the Mandy caught the judo flip, I believe, right? Yeah, I, I thought all of it was just. Uh, I'm a little nervous too. You know, listen, I, I'll tell you the truth. People have come up to me and said, you know, kind of casual fans who check in around WrestleMania season, they've come up to me and they've been like, what's going on with this? Like, what, what's the, what's, what's happening? Why? Why is she there? Why? They don't get it. Yeah. Well, the answer to that question is, is simple, right? She's there for the same reason that, uh, Snooki popped up that one year for the same reason that we got Brock back. Um, Eyeballs, casual fans, right? The the problem though is that um as time goes by, you know, I, I've I trust WWE and the decision makers over there, but you can't help but see little things and like 
start to question their investment a little bit, you know. Um, well, one thing that's important to remember the is the, work, the, the promos. It's the 20th anniversary of Tyson at WrestleMania 14. And remember, Tyson was so over at that time in the world. Ronda's not as over as Tyson. She's coming off losses. Tyson was right. Tyson had come back out of jail. Um, Tyson, let's see. Tyson is March ninety eight. That's after the bite fight. Like he hadn't started really losing. He lost to Holyfield once, and then he got DQ'd and just terrified people. But like he was still white hot. Yeah. So like it's just a different. It's a. It is a different situation. Um, and then of course we didn't spend much time on this, but she had a rough PR day the other day as well. Yeah, and that's that's part of what I mean about her that investment, you know, like because I mean, listen, this is the time. These this is the week, what, two weeks? This is the time that WWE is gonna just like go on this media blitz. Everybody has to go everywhere so that they can promote WrestleMania and Ronda they are looking at her as one of the big draws. So she's going to be doing media. And uh, she didn't really do media after her, her losses. So those questions are still there. And as much as she represented herself in the UFC, she is still that person, but she represents the WWE now. And she's going to have to find a better way to to answer those questions and address that issue because, um, you know, UFC and MMA media might have handled her with kid gloves, but like general media and these people that she did not talk to for two years are not going to do that. And um, I don't know who has to who has to have that conversation with her. But um, you also wonder her response to these questions have to be better. You also wonder like. What does WWE say to her afterwards? Because, like, if anyone else did that, they'd be in serious trouble. Like, yeah, if Bobby Roode had an interview and it turned out that way, you'd think it'd be trouble. Now, listen, it drew headlines, so there's some upside there. But it's a weird circumstance because they're expecting, like, oh, great, we'll use you for media, blah, blah, blah. It'll be great. And it really blew up in their face um, to some degree. I mean, listen, I think I think it's fine because ultimately it got attention. But like I said, it's still an awkward circumstance to have it play out that way. Um, and man, I mean, this media game is, is half the game. It's half the battle is the media. Yeah. So. It really is. Interesting. It, it got attention, but you don't want them to bury your big star going into your big event. Um, props to the Miz, by the way. That Miz segment with him and Bo Dallas, it, it was just a well done nice little story um he's still good man not only is he a brand new dad he is doing it man he and and now ooh, now he's gonna have that new dad battery in his back <laughs> yep get ready get ready for special he needs that special championship bonus now oh yeah he could be going on a run he could be going on a run um daniel bryan enjoyed his promo a lot on smackdown a little confused about what's happening with the Shane McMahon thing. 
I assume they're yeah. I, mean, I assume they're setting it up for him to either to come back and be ineffective, or to end up leaving Daniel Bryan to his on his own, or for a Jericho surprise at Mania. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what is going to happen with Shane McMahon because uh, they ran they rattled off a list of injuries. <laughs> like they said, I heard hernia, diverticulitis. Um, he had to spend three days in a hospital uh, in Antigua, and then they flew him back, and then he went to the hospital again, recovering with his family. Like they they made it sound very severe. Um, how severe it actually is, who knows? Um, but they they re- they had a huge list, and Daniel Bryan still announces him for the match. So maybe he is ready to go in two weeks. Uh, maybe not, and we do get Jericho. Although I will say, um, I feel like Shane and Daniel Bryan is better for the story, but Jericho would be an all right replacement. Yeah, um, gonna be interesting to uh, gonna be interesting to see what happens and what I think is best. You know, because in one sense, I kind of want Daniel Bryan on his own. I don't necessarily love Jericho coming back and getting some big return. Like, is that needed around this? No, it's not needed, but they're going to try to pop the crowd, though. But I think if you found out, if if, if it started, Mania started and we were like, Shane McMahon's not here, blah, 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 we might cancel the match. And then at the end, you find out it's a one-on-two match with Daniel Bryan. It, it could still, it could be insane. It could still, be, he could, he could get the place absolutely unglued. He really could. Yeah. Like I, he could tell that story in a way that's real. Like he could do that thing where, like, oh, he isolates one of them early and injures them, and keeps them outside the ring. Like, there's a way to tell that story realistically, where him beating them one on two is just absolutely mind blowing. Or Shane's in the match but barely effective. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit of a nerd about it. I just feel like I don't want anyone else to return in conjunction with Daniel Bryan. I just feel like it's not necessary. It definitely cheapens it and like it steals his thunder a little bit. Oh, or a lot of bit, actually. Also, everyone, Andrew uh, Goldstein made a great point. Everyone talks about the once-in-a-lifetime match that Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles is, but they're not really telling us why. It's almost like they're just expecting, like, you're a wrestling nerd. You should know. Well, um, yes and no, right? Like, for me, even if you take away their history in Japan, it is still sort of a, a dream match just because um, the level of popularity that they have and also the way, like, they fight completely different styles. Like they, they, they are not even the same type of fighter. So it's not even like you have two high flyers in there or two big men. It's like it's a completely different clash of styles, um, and they're both really good workers. And sometimes that's all you need, you know. That's all you want to see, you know. It's not a situation where you know people think of oh Kurt Angle and Bret Hart in a submission match as a dream match or like you know a technical masterpiece. It doesn't have to be that, but just like. How awesome would it be? Is the question, and they're hoping to answer it. 
And even though this match has been done, it hasn't been done here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's just a way that you can tell this a little bit more clearly, I think, to make it, you know, that much more exciting. But listen, you're with a life. It doesn't matter. We're going to enjoy it anyway. Um, SGG, next week is our huge, major. It'll be out Friday, early afternoon. The spectacular of Radio Row. Hours and hours, interviews and interviews. Then we have the heat and greet on Saturday afternoon. So enjoy this Triple H and Stephanie McMahon interview uh, for the next 25 minutes. And reach out over Twitter or RosenbergBeats at gmail.com. Let us know if you're coming through. And we will hang with everyone. And we will come next week with our prop. I mean, who knows what guests we have. Will Dipperstein pop by? I'm guessing. Will, will, will the masked man be around? I don't know. The Brian Campbell. Which superstars? We don't know. Uh, but we'll be back next week. SGG, you have anything else? Do you have black power rankings? How about that? Oh, uh, how could we? How could we? I almost forgot. I do have black power rankings. All right. Well, then break them down. All right. So in the honorable mention and with um, my most humble and most sincere apologies, we got Devon Dudley. Uh, last week when I gave, when I turned the black power rankings into the Hall of Pain, I said, um, we finally got our first Hall of Famer since I've been doing the Black Power Rankings. Well, congratulations. I played myself because Devon Dudley was announced before Mark Henry. That is so true. Granted, as part wow. of the Dudley Boys. What a bad guy you are. So he's actually the first one. Um, apologies to the Reverend Devon. He has to, he has to forgive me, right? Yeah, of course. He's a, he's a Reverend. And speaking of the Black Power Rankings and apologies, Last week when going over the card, we didn't mention the New Day, the Usos, and the Bludgeon Brothers. Well, it wasn't announced, though. It wasn't announced. Well, oh, it wasn't official? Yeah, they just made it official on Tuesday. All right, cool. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Speaking of the New Day, they're in at number three. Um, their promo and match on the blo- with the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, it was decent, which is why they only ended in at number three. And let's be honest, we didn't get that much love this week. I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. So in at number two... Um, Cedric Alexander, who was also in a match that I would describe as decent, but he's in a number two because unlike the New Day, they actually won this match. And um like the New Day, I'm actually interested for his match against Mustafa Ali at WrestleMania for the championship. And um in a number one, Sasha Banks, because I just love a good backstage brawl. And uh, it's hard to say who won and who lost. Um, I guess that deter- that's determined by your personal preference. But she put hands and feet on Bailey, and I loved it. Granted, she caught hands too. But like I said, I just love a good brawl. So um, Sasha Banks is going in number one. By the way, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I love that. I've been waiting. Sasha and Bailey both need this. And it was a great moment. It's, it's what is needed for both of their characters right now. So I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed that locker room brawl. I know it, we're going to have to wait a little while, probably SummerSlam, maybe Backlash, but probably SummerSlam for a big blowout between them. But I enjoyed that. SGG, it's time to make room for, uh, the Levesque family, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. In the meantime, SGG, I'll see you in New Orleans. Do me a favor and stay mage. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, on this show, no um, 
introduction here necessary? I believe everyone knows when WrestleMania will be taking place. I believe everybody already has their plans to be locked into the WWE Network or to be in New Orleans themselves. But um, it's two years straight, so let's go ahead and make it a tradition. Uh, a couple weeks before WrestleMania, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon here on Cheap Heat. Guys, thank you for making some time to talk to the Cheap Heat universe. Thanks for having us, Peter. Come on, man. Uh, I am very excited, as I imagine you guys both are, about uh, this time of year. Um, quite a build with an incredible card. Um, just on a personal level, um, what's your favorite part? I'll ask both of you guys. Steph, I'll start with you. Your favorite part of the weekend in general, work, personal, professional, what's your favorite thing about WrestleMania? Oh, let's see. My favorite thing about WrestleMania is family. Um, and that's a pretty broad word, but it's the, the best word I know to describe everything because not only is the whole WWE universe just a big giant family, and by the universe, I mean not only our fans, but superstars, employees. I mean, everybody who loves WWE is a part of this big giant family, and you feel that. You feel that connectivity. You feel that community. Um, but then also on a personal level, when you think about the my actual family, right? Mania is the event that my father created. And, you know, my grandfather passed right before WrestleMania. He never got to see my father's vision. And, you know, my grandfather ran the Northeast Territory of, of you know, four-hour business when it was a regional business before my father had the, the vision to take it global and he never really saw what it could be but every year at Wrestlemania I just feel him there and you consider the fact that this year I'm getting in the ring with my husband who is you know one of the greatest superstars in the history of our business oh, <laughs> yeah he's, he's a, <laughs> you know and and not only that but my brother you know, being there and, and hopefully still being able to compete and, and my children being there, my nephews, my mom, my sisters-in-law. I mean, it is it is family. And that's what WWE is all about. It's about creating these memories and these moments for families and for people that last a lifetime. That's what WWE is. And WrestleMania is all of that amplified, you know, to infinity. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, that's one part that I, I think, at least for people like me who are incredibly passionate about the WWE that has never lost, is that this is a family business, ultimately. And while it's become this amazing, huge, global thing that all of us feel a part of, the McMahon family, there is something special there. And that day, and Vince in particular, your father being able to be there to be such a prominent role still, I imagine does feel special. And so, uh, Hunter, I guess for you, it's sort of now it's become a little bit of both too. And what that, tr what, what was that transition like for it being first just your goal as a superstar to be a part of it? And now you also being a part of this family. It's got to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And look, Step, I think, hit the nail on the head with the family thing. I was just going to say we have really good catering there. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, the, the family component of it is huge. It is. It's our family. And it's our, um, it's our family business and our generational legacy of, of all of that. And, 
that's massive. But, you know, even as she was saying it in my head, I'm, I'm hearing that. I'm thinking, like, WrestleMania in some way is like this massive family reunion. You know, your family comes from all over the world, your WWE family. They're all, everybody's like all a part of this collective enjoyment of the same thing, right? And we talk about it all the time. Like, WrestleMania is the place where you can go sit in a stadium with a complete stranger from another country. And if you're not a, a mega fan and you go, oh, so what's the story on this one? the complete stranger next to you from another country will begin to tell you what the storyline is and why this is important and who this person is and what they do and why. And like it, it, it breaks down barriers. It does all those things. So it's like this massive global family reunion and you put all these people in one place and it's all the people that you are really close to. It's the people that you kind of in your family that you hardly ever met and your one idiot cousin that you don't even like, but he shows up too. And you kind of enjoy the moment when he's there for a minute. You know, it's just, it's a big, huge family thing. And, and, um, and that's a huge part of it for us. It takes on a whole other level of meaning of family, but, um, and it was a great it was a great descriptor of of kind of what the importance of it is. Well, and I think I think one of the things that I you know as sort of you know an ambassador with through my fanship and now getting to work with you guys, I, you know, as sort of an ambassador for this um, this company that I love so much and this business that I love so much. One of the things I really point out to people is like I go to UFC events. You know, I'm a sports fan. I go to everything. The truth is that UFC events. It, it, while there are wonderful people there, it's not necessarily a place that you're going to make friends. There's a lot of rowdy, young, drinking sort of people there for a really intense competition. And when you go to WWE, you you want to be in the crowd. You, you want to get to sort of spend time with people because to your point, Hunter, when those conversations with people about how they view a certain story and a certain character – that is really what makes Mania Weekend fun. That's why I love New Orleans, frankly, because it's such a walking city. So the whole city gets kind of taken over by us, um, people who love it. And uh, that was, Steph, that was an interesting word that I think is um, very apt given the way all of us feel about WrestleMania. Steph, do you realize that uh, next year, 20 years since you stepped in the ring for the first time ever as a youngster uh, in the ring as a performer? Wow. And, no, I didn't realize yeah. that. <laughs> I, well, I, well, I was looking it up because, uh, full disclosure, the night, uh, the night Ronda de- uh, debuted, um, officially at Elimination Chamber, I was sitting at a monitor watching with Renee Young, we, we, you know, like, gather there because we were going to do talking smack and had to see exactly what was, or, or raw talk and had to see exactly what was being said and we're sitting there dialed in. And I was nervous, as I'm sure a lot of people were, because you're watching someone step into this world for the first time. And um, Stephanie, then you started talking, and I was like, oh, well, we're going to be fine. Stephanie and Triple H are there. These are two people who, no matter how prepared Rhonda is for her first day, we have two people that will be able to get through this. And so it got me thinking about your level of experience and how long it has been that you've been doing it. Are you able to relate to someone like Rhonda and help her? Are you able to remember what you needed to do to get comfortable on the microphone and doing a promo and things of that nature? I think we're a huge team in WWE. I think that I have certain skill sets and experience, like you said, on the mic. Um, 
Rhonda has certain skill sets that she brings, especially in terms of star power and physicality. Of course. I think Hunter has everything, right? And, and especially in terms of the actual match itself, as does Kurt. Um, so we're, we're a team out there all helping each other. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, yes, in some capacity, because it's, that's what it's all about. Is It's about making, at the end of the day, the best product possible for our fans. And we're all going to do the best we can to do that. Uh, Hunter, also speaking of anniversaries, uh, tomorrow, 20 years since WrestleMania 14. Um, which, of course, for those who may not remember the specific date, that is the the big DX uh, Stone Cold Mike Tyson moment. Um, in in the in terms of the stories you've been involved in throughout your career, how important was that run? Tyson appearing at Royal Rumble through WrestleMania. How big was that back in '98? Crazy, um, crazy big. You know that was one of those moments that the the kind of Tyson Austin pushing each other and then us doing the stuff with Tyson who at that time especially probably one of the most recognizable people on the planet maybe the most um you know stepping into our world the, the it was just all the pieces were there you talk about lightning in a bottle um it was just all there and and ready I think Tyson was a little bit of the spark that just lit the whole thing up and, and amazing period of time and run and crazy. You know, I was a huge Tyson fan as, as a, as a, a boxer and, and, um, you know, then getting to, to work with him and, and be around him during all that time. It was just a crazy, crazy period of time looking back on it. I, I think at the time, it was exciting and everything. I didn't realize the impact that it had. You never do when you're in the moment, I think, realize how big it is. But it was uh, – that was epic, you know, and, and a, a really kind of a – sort of a, a moment in time, a paradigm shift for WWE, you know. Uh, yeah, and would, would you agree – and I'm biased. Uh, uh, Tyson's a friend. I do, I do a podcast with him. But, I, so I, but, I, but before that – do you feel that in terms of the WWE celebrity wing of the Hall of Hall of Fame, if there was another specialized wing for the highest, highest percentile of impact people had, is that where Mike Tyson would be? Absolutely. You know, that that moment just that whole that whole little run, that moment in time, the eyeballs that Mike put on us. And, and the timing was right. Like, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Austin because he was white hot. DX yeah. was white hot deals. Um, I don't want to take anything away from any of that. But there was a moment in time where we did this, like, in-ring uh, workout. I think it was labeled as with Mike Tyson and Government Center in Boston. And um, I had never seen that many people. They, they, they estimated the... the People there was, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like 30, 50,000, something like that had shown up to this thing. It was far, people as far as you could see. I remember us driving there, not thinking it was a huge deal. And thank God I paid attention to it uh, when we were going over it because it was mostly Sean and Mike, but uh, I had paid attention. And, you know, we didn't really, we weren't going over it like it was this huge deal. It was government center outside, okay. 
we were driving for like 15 minutes through these crowds with sirens and they had cops and like we're in this motorcade and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving and we're, I'm thinking like, where the hell are we going? And I'm realizing like, <laughs> oh my God, we're trying to get through the crowd that is here to watch us. And we got to the ring and I remember getting out of the car, sticking my head, I think it was out of the sunroof or something. <clears throat> and, uh, looking out and seeing people were just as far as you could possibly see down, down roads in the middle of downtown in Boston. And, uh, it was just insanity, you know. And then, of course, it all, it all went south, and somebody hit Sean with a battery, and he went back in the car and didn't come out. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I paid attention because Mike looked at me and was like, "Now what?" You know, and I was like, "Oh my god, uh, this is on me." But uh, but it was crazy. That's the kind of stuff to me that it was just the impact, the level of eyeballs, the level of outside media attention that he was bringing to us at that time was just uh, it was amazing. Yeah, now and now here we are 20 years later and you have Ronda Rousey involved in one of the main events um at WrestleMania of course um with Kurt Angle versus not, you guys which not, is going to be and not and not as a stunt and not as a, a one-off and not as a a special one-time attraction as as a WWE superstar. You know, as a continuing full-time member of the WWE roster. That that is the thing that I think is fundamentally different about this. It's you know, it's as if Mike Tyson at that moment in time said, you know what, I, I, I'm not boxing anymore. I'm, I want to be a WWE superstar. And um, yeah, and she seems very focused on telling people that. You could tell it means something. And I, I ran into her before Elimination Chamber and really didn't know what to think. I'd never, I ran into her once at SummerSlam, but had never met her, didn't know how she'd be carrying herself. And to me, I don't know how you guys saw it, but to me, she carried herself – like someone who really just wanted to fit in as as part of the roster. Like I could actually see the nerves on her that I think all people have when when you're first backstage and, and are part of the show. She really seemed I, – I, I've been saying this on the radio show and I don't want to like – I'm not trying to overemphasize it, but almost shockingly humble. W- would you say that is um, an accurate description of your opponent? I'd say it's an actual a- accurate description of her as a person, and I think that um, her desire to do this because she loves it, because um, it's what she wants to do, is as great as probably anything she's ever done in her career. Um, she's that she's just that into it, and the thing is, is she knows, like she doesn't want to disrespect it. She doesn't want anybody to think. She's here for a paycheck because she's not. She's proud of being here. She's proud of being able to to put her name out there as a WWE superstar. She she. It's funny when she's doing interviews. She doesn't want them to mention UFC much because not because she's ashamed of that or anything else, but because she doesn't. She's proud of being a WWE superstar. That's what she wants to be now, and that's what she wants it to be portrayed as. She's proud of it and. Um, proud to be a part of that locker room and a part of that culture, part of the family, all of them. She loves it. And, um, you know, if people could see how hard she's really working at this, I think they'd respect that. Speaking of proud, um, Stephanie, tell me about how proud you guys and just everyone was in general of uh, Daniel Bryan over the last couple of weeks. This has been a really interesting, complex story of someone doing everything they can to get back, 
speaking about it openly and honestly at every turn without anger towards the company, more an understanding of where you guys stood, but just was not going to stop fighting until he got uh, back in action. And and that moment a couple weeks ago I thought was as touching and, and special a moment as we've seen in some time. What were your thoughts about it? Uh, I mean, I think proud is an excellent word. We're so happy for Daniel Bryan. I think to your point, Daniel Bryan as a performer and as a person is so genuine and authentic. He is who he is. And from his retirement speech, which I think there wasn't a dry eye in the house, you know, there really wasn't for anyone watching, all the way through this journey. And then to hear his promo a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown, when he talked about going after your dreams and never giving up and the sincerity with which he talked about it and, and Brie motivating him and just all of that. I think it was impossible not to feel that moment. And, and I can't imagine what those two years were like for him because this is all he's ever wanted to do all of his life is professional wrestling. It's what he loves more than anything. They must have been the hardest two years ever, but, you know, now here he is and he's back with his wonderful, amazing wife. And by the way, they're beautiful little baby girls. Uh, he's got a, a lot to live for and a lot to be happy about. And, and we're very happy for him. Yeah. And everyone who watches, I think SmackDown is happy because now, I mean, I'm sure, um, Hunter, I'm sure your eyes widened once you realized it was a reality too. All these names that now work at WWE that are yet to match up with Daniel Bryan. It's pretty exciting. Oh my God. Absolutely. You know, he just brings a whole nother dynamic to this and a whole level of excitement. It's, it's wonderful. Beyond that, I mean, just happy for the human being. You know, one of the hardest things we ever have to do in our jobs is tell people that it's over. And um, that wasn't easy. But for the same reasons we listen to the doctors that tell us that it's done, we listen to the doctors that tell us that it's not. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled that he's done everything he could, and I'm thrilled that he's has this second chance at it. And, um, man, it's it's awesome. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you guys one last thing and let you go. Of course, I'm talking to Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, as you know. Uh, WrestleMania just around the corner a week from Sunday in New Orleans. Am I the only one who was watching the series of matches recently between Nia Jax and Asuka and was like, you know, you know that they're not going to have a match at WrestleMania, but it, it, in that second one on Raw when – Naya ended up like eventually tapping out. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to sound humble. Seriously, I don't know anything about this stuff compared to you guys. I, I, but I was struck by, oh man, Naya Jackson, they're really telling a story in the ring. Like I watched, I don't know if you guys were at the Garden House show, immediate, it was a week after that match and Naya Jax hadn't really done anything character wise to start earning love from the crowd except have a great match and I heard the pop that she got when she walked through the curtain and I was like oh man that's like the old school way that's how you really do it is just tell a story in the ring was that a feeling backstage in general that Naya and Oscar really killed it for a couple of weeks yeah but I mean it's funny that I think in today's world of sometimes 
short attention span theater that everybody just wants everything now and they want everything today. And, and when they go back in time and you m- remember things from the past, you don't remember the long build. You don't remember what it took to get there. You don't remember that this guy was doing this for three years before he became that. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And, and I think that is one of the things. Yes, that is that is how you build a character. That is how you build respect. It's how you build longevity in this business. Um, it's grassroots. It's respect on the the true level, not oh this guy's really flashy. I like him, and three weeks later you're looking for the next flashy thing. You know, it's it's a woman that went out there and put on the performances that earned people's respect. Night in, night out, she's been doing that not just once or twice with Oscar, but she's been doing that. Since she came here, she's been taking steps every single week. And and that is, yeah, long-term, that's what two years from now, a year from now, three years from now, you're when she's a megastar and you're going like, yeah, man, Naya's awesome. You forget about all the steps it took to get there. You know, that that, that, is, that is what we do in the long-term storytelling and long-term character building and storytelling is what we do. But, uh, well, ho- I like say, ahead, it's Sorry. not easy to earn our fans' respect. It does take a while, you know, and, and rightfully so. And I think that that's one of the things that Rhonda actually said in her promo when she first debuted is, I want to earn your respect. And, and she gets that. Everybody gets that on our roster. And, um, you know, I know that I'm certainly going to be working hard for it at WrestleMania 34. Um, but of course I'm going to be trying to make them hate me. So (laughs) (laughs) you make everyone do both so well. Um, but (laughs) isn't it crazy though, uh, that, that you, you can be over as over can be in NXT and, and people, the most hardcore fans will go, Oh, well, all they have to do is show up on raw and they're a megastar. And I've actually been legitimately surprised. I, I, I would almost assume the same thing, but you can see that people are really popular at NXT and they have to prove it again on the next level or it doesn't work out. Does that surprise you at all? Triple H? It doesn't, you know, it's, um, it's a different environment and the fans are different. I don't I don't mean that overall, but like our harder core fans are the ones that are really engaged in NXT, our really most passionate fans, our most um engaged fans. And and they, they love a style and there are certain things that are gonna really resonate with them. And there are certain things that are gonna really resonate with, with fans in general. Um you know, that's not to say they're lesser fans. They're fans. And, and Raw, SmackDown, there's a different vibe on both shows. There's a completely different vibe in SmackDown. I, I, I work to get talent as ready as they possibly can be. That fact is separate from NXT. Yes, NXT gives them reps. Yes, NXT gives them a platform to perform in front of larger crowds. But I don't know that people understand what I mean sometimes. Like with with um, Elias, I, I I knew for him that his success would be on the main roster. Success, much like Braun, his success would be based on his ability to entertain and his ability as a character and all those other things. It's not to take away from the other stuff he does, but that character is is 
almost custom made for, for Raw and SmackDown. It is not the perfect fit for NXT. And I used to say it to him a bunch. Like, don't, don't, I'm just, I'm, and I don't know that he understood. I was trying to get him reps to learn everything else so that when we put him on the main roster, he had the platform to succeed. He had all the tools in his belt. Didn't matter what he did in NXT. Now, if you go to NXT and you get over and you're the top guy or top girl, whatever that is, and now you get that move, if you think you're just going to rely on what you did there, and and that's going to translate perfectly, and you're going to become the Uber star. It doesn't. It takes different things. You have to be more well-rounded. You have to be more engaged. Um, you know, you have to you have to have it all, and you have to be able to translate that all to a different audience and captivate them in a different way. Um, so it's it is a little bit like starting over. The pressure is different. The environment is different. The expectations are different. The demand on your time and your effort. You know, NXT is like, uh, like going to high school. We take attendance. We make you do your homework. We, we do all the things, and we, t- we, and we grade it, and we hold your hand along the way. And then when you move up to the main roster, you're a pro now. right? We, we're not taking attendance anymore. We're not, we're, you're you're kind of doing your thing. Um, but it's a tough transition, and it's a tough transition to stay focused, to stay on top of all of it, and it's a lot of pressure. So that pressure can build and it can mount, and how talent handle that and how they respond to it as not only performers – but as characters, as, as all of it, um, it, it all comes down to whether they will make it or not. And it doesn't have to be moment one. You know, you graduate up, it doesn't, you don't have to be the next big thing to main event WrestleMania the following year. It's a building process. This business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Well, uh, Guys, thank you so much for making time. Uh, our, my listeners here on Cheap Heat, everyone, everyone knows they go along the journey with me and everyone knows how excited I am to have my second year to go down and do the kickoff show at the, at the big dance at Mania. So the next time you see me, I'll be wearing a tuxedo and an S eating grin and, um, I'm thankful and looking forward to it. Thank you for making time, guys. Thank you very much for having us and we'll see you at WrestleMania. See you at WrestleMania. Thank you.